serve you in uh, water baptism next Sunday morning. Looking forward to that time of celebration. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, let's go uh, to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, please, if you will. Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Amen. Um, I know I'm speaking to a lot of people who uh, spend time daily in the Word of God. And um, have you noticed that as the Holy Spirit begins to breathe on something, uh, you know, a subject, uh, a specific subject to us while we're together collectively, that when you then go and read the Word of God personally, you begin to see all kinds of things in the Word of God about what it is that He's saying to us collectively. That's the Holy Spirit, because ultimately the Holy Spirit um, is our teacher, amen, and, um, and He is leading and guiding us, the Spirit of truth, uh, leading us and guiding us into all truth. And so, again, if you are one who, and I pray that you are, and if you're not, that you will go ahead and start today, somebody who spends a little time in the Word of God at least every day, um, you'll see that the Word of God, both Old Testament and New Testament, is filled with instructions about trusting God. Um, I've said it this way, it's one of the great themes of the Bible, um, learning to trust God, learning to trust the power of God in our lives. It's one of the most important lessons um, that we could ever learn, um, you know, while God gives us the measure of faith, and when we hear the gospel, that faith in us is activated and aroused, and then we use it to call upon the name of the Lord to receive salvation. Um, the Bible says at that state, um, someone is born into the kingdom of God. They're a born-again believer, but they're as a spiritual baby, amen, and there's a lot that we've got to learn and are learning, amen, as we grow and develop and grow up into Jesus in all things. That's one of the reasons why we are doing discipleship class now for the 18th year in a row, literally 18 years, uh, started Wednesday, um, because we're growing up into Jesus in all things. And one of the key areas, um, one of the most important areas of our growth and development is in this growing and developing uh, in our trust, learning to trust, learning to trust. Anything that you trust right now, you've learned to trust it. Any person that you trust right now, you've learned to trust them. Um, trust is something that has to be learned, amen, and um, when it comes to learning to trust God, it's a process, amen, the Holy Spirit is, is our helper, and he wants to help us in this, and um, so I've really been, been praying that we would all just bring our hearts to attention, and really, um, you know, there's different um, seasons, there's different windows, um, when I, I use the expression, and it's one I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me, it's, it's you know, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, which, which means it's all God-breathed. Um, the Word of God was, was breathed. What does that mean? I can't speak to you without releasing breath um, from my lungs. And so when God speaks, He releases His breath, which means every word God speaks is saturated with the life and power of God. That's why His Word is living and powerful. But the Bible is a big book. It's not just a big book. It's a compilation of 66 books. And there are a lot of important things in the Bible. There's nothing in the Bible that's not important. Okay. So what we need is the Holy Spirit to lead us into the things that we need to learn next, that we need to deepen our roots in next, that we need um, to develop and mature in in a greater way. And so that's what I mean when I say this is something the Holy Spirit is breathing on to us as a family of faith. 
He's breathing on um, our need to deepen our trust, to, to learn to trust him and to learn to trust him more. Amen. And so here is one of the, I think, uh, awesome verses, many verses we could look at about trusting God, but this one is such a foundational verse. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, acknowledge the Lord, and he will direct your paths. Now, as, exciting, as excited as I am to get some new things about trusting the Lord, the Lord spoke to my heart this morning um, a need to emphasize the importance of Him directing our paths. Now, obviously, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Um, but trusting in the Lord with all your heart and leaning not to your own understanding, these things are related. Let me say it another way. You will never trust in the Lord with all your heart while at the same time leaning to your own understanding. So one is dependent upon the other. In other words, in order to trust in the Lord with all your heart, you're going to have to learn to disconnect from your own understanding. Amen. Because what we know from Scripture is that God's ways are higher than our ways. His uh, words and thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, of course, he communicates his words, his thoughts, his, I'm sorry, his thoughts and his understanding to us through the vehicle of his words. If you want to know what God's thinking, it's right here. Amen. Just like if you have a thought in your mind, in your heart, that you want to communicate to another person, you package that thought in the form of, of sentences filled with words, and you convey those thoughts uh, through uh, the means of words. And that's exactly what God has done for us. These are his um, uh, thoughts, and these are his understanding, I mean, the way he understands things. And he has uh, conveyed, uh, communicated, sent those thoughts to us um, in the form of his words. So because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, amen, and, and not just a little bit. The Bible says his thoughts are uh, higher than our thoughts like the heavens are higher than the earth. Um, his thoughts are more grand. Uh, but let me just, if I could simplify it, his thoughts are different from our thoughts. So if you're ever going to follow through on a thought that God has conveyed to you through his word, you're going to have to trust him. Because it's, it's going to be completely different than the way the world understands things and the way the world does things. Okay? Man, my heart is so full this morning. I, I, there's so much stuff just kind of bubbling out of me. Some of these things we'll come circle back around to and, 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 and talk about in, uh, in greater detail. All right? But one of the things you've got you to understand is that you were created by God to rule and reign over everything that God has created. Okay? So you were designed, created, intended by God, your creator father. He created you to rule and reign in life. It's hardwired into us. And one of the ways I explained this last week is there's not a person in this room, there's not a person on the sound of my voice right now that looks forward to losing, that enjoys losing. It's because we were created to be victorious. We were created to be winners. It's, it's, it's in our, not just our physical DNA, but in, in, the, in our spiritual DNA. Um, to win, to conquer, to triumph, to, to, to have dominion as, as, as we see Adam and the descendants of Adam were commissioned to have uh, here on planet Earth, okay? But at the same time, you were also um, created by God to be dependent upon Him. 
So what does that mean? It means you were created to rule and reign in life, but you'll never rule and reign in life apart from uh, your dependency and your trust in God. Now, what we see in this world system, hear me carefully, please. The Bible has a lot to say about the world and the world system. It has a lot to say about this world's wisdom or the wisdom of men. Are you with me this morning? Please, this is so very, very important. The wisdom of this world, the wisdom of men, this world system. And it's the wisdom of men, it's, it's, it's this world and this world system that has captured the trust of so many of God's people. Now, let me tell you why that's so appealing. This world system, um, the wisdom of, of man, okay, um, wisdom that men have come up with, right? All of that is man's effort to rule and reign in life without having to be dependent upon God. Are you seeing this? All of these things that, that people create. Now, as, as our time together continues to develop and unfold, we introduced a little bit of this last week, is, um, is, is those things are, are um, what's the right word I'm looking for here? Thank you, Holy Spirit. They're, they're, they're typified, they're, they're, they're uh, uh, exemplified, I'll get the right word here in just a minute, amen, by this thing called a chariot. Now, we, we don't, we, I'm, I'm sure there's probably still chariots somewhere in the world today, but we have advanced technologically well beyond um, the uh, chariot. Thank you. They're represented by this word chariot. Is that what Daniel said, represented? Holler at me, brother. Amen. Help a, help a brother out. Help an uncle out. Amen. So they're represented by this thing called a chariot, right? What is a chariot? A chariot is something mankind developed and created, right, to rule and reign and dominate in life. It's an implement that, that was created and designed. And so in the, in the Word, God tells us, prepare the chariot for battle, but don't trust in the chariot. And so when we talk about this world and this world system and, and this world's wisdom, remember the difference be between wisdom and understanding, between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is what you know. Wisdom is taking what you know and, and doing something with it to produce a result. Wisdom is about results. So the wisdom of man will produce man's results. But the wisdom of God will produce God's results. Now, we can settle for the wisdom of man. But if we settle for the wisdom of man we're settling for only what man's wisdom, the results man's wisdom can produce in our lives. But we can trust higher. We can trust greater. And we see that the wisdom of God is higher and greater. And if we learn to trust God and his wisdom, then we see that we will experience God's results in our lives. And what we see, of course, is there's all kinds of things that are impossible for man. There are all kinds of problems that man's wisdom cannot solve. There are all kinds of diagnoses that man's wisdom doesn't have an answer for. Thank God for all the answers that we do have and, and good things that help a lot of people. I'm not bashing any of that. But we are not limited to what man's wisdom can produce. We are not limited to what money can buy. 
we see that God's wisdom will produce God's results in our lives. But now watch this. Please watch this, all right? When it comes to God's wisdom, it is so foreign, it is so different from this world's wisdom that if you're ever going to follow God's wisdom and apply it to your life, you're going to have to trust God. Are you seeing how these things work together here? See, God can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. Because if you're going to have the life God created you to live, you're going to have to live your life according to God's wisdom. And if you're going to live your life according to God's wisdom, you're going to have to trust Him to do it. Now, I cautioned you last... I say cautioned you. This may be a strong, too strong of a word here. I, I told you last week that through the course of our study... We're going to dig into uh, money and finances. Just going to mention it here this morning. We're not really digging into it yet, but I'm just going to mention it here so that I can make this point. You see that this world's wisdom about managing money and, and increasing in money and, and, and how to handle money and all of this other stuff, right? It's on one level. God's wisdom for money is on a completely different level. The world's economy is, a, is an economy based in buying and selling. So, for instance, if, if you, uh, you know, go work for someone else, I'm not saying this is wrong, don't misunderstand me, but, but you know, you work uh, uh, by the hour um, because what you're doing is you're selling your time and your talent to hopefully the highest bidder, right, people that will pay you well for what you can do and your time, um, but they, they'll pay you by the hour, or if you have a salary job, you know, they're, they're paying you for your time and for your effort and, and, and for what you know and what you can do. So what happens then, people come into a financial shortage, and so because they understand that the only way to get money is through buying and selling, what do we do? We go get another job. Again, if I'm, I, don't, I don't say this bragging, and I'm not saying this in any way to condemn you, um, I can make a case that I've worked at least two jobs since I was 15 years old um, and, and doing it now. Amen. I, I, I'm, I'm employed here and I'm volunteer part-time at the foundry. So I'm not, this isn't to bash anyone, but, but, but there is a way to experience financial increase beyond buying and selling, beyond you selling more of your time, talent, and treasure. Because God's economy doesn't operate on buying and selling. God's economy operates through sowing and reaping, through planting and harvesting. See, it's a completely different approach to developing and growing and increasing financially. But now, if you're going to sow into God's kingdom, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to give money. Now, see, we start finding, real, we start finding out really quickly where we've really put our trust. Because when our anxiety level starts going up, right, when what we've put our, our, let me say it another way, our anxiety level starts to increase if what we've put our trust in seems to be threatened. See? So now we find ourselves in this dilemma. God is trying to direct our paths to financial prosperity, but he can't do it, he can't do it if we don't acknowledge him in all of our ways. If we don't acknowledge him with our money, if we lean to our own understanding when it comes to money, you see what I'm saying? In other words, you can't do money your way. You can't do, see, what does it mean to acknowledge him in all your ways? Well, what does it mean to not acknowledge him in any of your ways? (laughs) 
right? What does it mean to not acknowledge something? It'll, it'll get you a lot closer to understanding what it means to acknowledge God in all your ways. To acknowledge Him means to include Him. To acknowledge Him means to, to put Him you know, in the center of it. To, to, to uh, acknowledge Him means to never make a decision without Him. Anytime you make a decision without consulting God, you just made a decision without acknowledging Him. Are you seeing this, right? So, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You'll never be able to do that if you're leaning to your own understanding. Because our understanding about money is, uh, you know, completely different to the way God understands it. So, if you lean to your own understanding, if you lean to what this world tells you about money, then what? You, you'll wind up not acknowledging God um, in any of your ways pertaining to money, which means he, you've now tied his hands, you've, you've hindered his ability to lead you in the path of prosperity that he has for your life. Are you following what I'm saying this morning? So notice, and I think it's interesting here, it says, he shall direct your path, S, paths, okay? Not singular path, but plural paths. Plural paths. And I'm sure there's probably a lot more to that word being plural than what I understand right now. But the simple answer that I believe I got from the Holy Spirit is that, you know, when you look at all the different aspects of your life, God has a pathway for each one of them. See, when he, when he says in um, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, that you may prove that you may prove, do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Okay? Good, acceptable, and perfect are three Greek adjectives speaking of the singular will of God for your life. And there was a lot of times, I've heard this taught before, people preach it before, they're preaching it wrong, I'm not here to judge anybody, I'm just telling you they're wrong. When they try to tell you there's an acceptable will of God, there's the, a better than that, a good will of God, and then there's the perfect will of God. And, you know, we're just going to kind of skate around on the edges and just do what's acceptable. That's not what he's saying. Good, perfect, and acceptable are three adjectives that describe the singular will of God for your life. And it means beneficial, well-pleasing, all-encompassing. The perfect will of God, that word perfect is teleos in the Greek. It means all-encompassing. So God's will, God's plan, God's purpose for your life, which was, by the way, decided in Christ Jesus before time began for you, okay, already written in a book before you ever breathed oxygen in this atmosphere, he left no aspect of your life out of his plan for your life. He, he has a plan for your relationships. He has a, a plan for you. So again, think of, think of all the different relationships in your life as different paths, okay? You've got the path of being a parent. You've got the path of being a spouse. You've got the path of being a child. You've got the path, all of these different paths, right? So when he says he shall direct your path, right? I, I have seen in my own life, and I've also seen it in the lives of other people, um, where we can be very, uh, we have a lot of understanding, a lot of trust in God for one path of our life, but not necessarily trust in Him in other paths. Are, are you seeing this? Okay. Um, th there are folks who can, who can, you know, really trust God in areas of their money, but not be nearly as developed in trusting God um, in areas of, um, of, of parenting or in areas of marriage uh, or in areas of, of, of business and entrepreneurship and, 
and, and, uh, and things of that nature. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Amen. Now, again, this, I'm not, this isn't, do you see this guy standing in this pulpit? I'm, I'm here to, I'm trying to help you. I'm not, this, this isn't, don't get all defensive. Again, remember, anxiety goes up when whatever we put our trust in feels threatened. So don't just take a deep breath, okay? I'm, I'm here to try to show you something. So he shall direct your paths. He will direct your paths. The Lord said a lot of people look at this verse as if him directing our paths is the consolation prize. I really believe that's, that's, that's what he told me. In other words, we tend to focus on the trusting in the Lord with all our heart, then maybe leaning not to our own understanding. We talk so much about this. Not a lot of people like talking about acknowledging him in all of our ways, but again, um, it's, it's almost as we work our way through these different points in these two verses, when we get to the last, it's almost like we're exhausted. It's almost like um, we've already spent so much time teaching on the other parts of it that we just kind of throw, and, and by the way, uh, before we go, he'll direct your paths. Uh, that is an absolutely incorrect understanding and approach to this verse. Amen. So again, the Lord spoke to my heart this morning. He said that I need to emphasize and we need to emphasize the importance of him directing our paths. Father God directing your path is not the consolation prize. Him directing your paths is huge and needs to be understood as one of the most important benefits of trusting God and acknowledging him in all of your ways. So let me ask you a quick question here. When it comes to your life, who's calling the shots? When it comes to your life, um, think of your life as a movie, and I, I know uh, about nothing when it comes to making a movie, okay? Um, but I did take some of this stuff in college, and, and what we see is, is that um, the, the actors and the actresses in the movies are the ones that, you know, usually get all the recognition and fame and, and these sorts of things, but they are so dependent upon a producer and a director, so dependent upon a producer and a director. And so, you know, all those credits that come up at the, at the end of the movie, you know, you, you, you see who the director is. And then, of course, when the Academy Awards come around, then they start giving out awards for the directors. Um, and so if, if you think of your life as a movie, okay, um, many of God's children are trying to be the leading actor or actress and the director at the same time. See, you have the leading role, amen, so to speak. I know God is, is the leading role, but, but in other words, who tells the leading actor and actress what to do? <laughs> the director of that, of that movie, um, as that movie is being made. The director is in charge of everything that happens, right? So, again, you were created for a very important role in God's kingdom, but we will never fulfill that role. We will never understand that role. We will never live out that role as long as we're trying to be the director of our own life story. So notice it says, and he'll direct your paths. He will direct your paths. Now, when Psalm 139 says God wrote the script for your life, that's the New Winston International Translation of, of, of Psalm 139. It says it this way, he wrote every day of your life down in a book before you lived a single one okay so he wrote the script before you ever lived now a lot of times when i i anticipate the question people tend to ask when they hear that verse is like well why did god write that part about me being in addiction or why did god write that part about my divorce or why did god write that part listen to me please god didn't write that part okay 
Isaiah says that we all went our own way and did our own thing. In other words, we all, instead of living our lives according to the script that God wrote for our lives, we decided to direct our own paths and do our own thing. If Adam and Eve did anything in the Garden of Eden, that's what they did. They told God, look, we understand exactly what it is that you expect of us, but we want to try it ourselves without you. We want to do our own thing and do it our own way. Okay? And so when it says we all have gone astray, we've all went our own way, we've all done our own thing, but of course Jesus came as the one to seek and to save that which was lost. Lost according to what? Lost according to the script. Lost according to the life that God intended for you. Lost according to the will that he established for you before you ever lived a single day of your life. Now, if you're like me and you're getting a little older and you start looking back on your life and, 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 and you start seeing some things that you regret, let me remind you of the simple lesson the Lord taught me the first time I ever drove an automobile with a GPS. I was so amazed that I'm, I'm like looking out of the sunroof trying to figure out who up there knows where I am and knows I need to take a right in 300 feet. You know, I'm, I'm in... I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and you know, is I'm literally, I mean, I like technology. Those of you who, who know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of technology. And, um, and so I got the idea that I was going to take a left and see what would happen, see if I could confuse this GPS. And so it was telling me to take a right, and I just took a real quick left, almost like I was trying to, you know, in a car chase or something, trying to get away from somebody. Of course, you know, Sister Pam's like, what? What, where are you going? What are you doing? I was like, I, I just got to see what's going to happen, you know. So I took the left and kind of accelerated, and the screen went blank. And I thought, ah, oh, there you go. I just outsmarted it. Then the screen came back up, and it said recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. And then it started giving me new directions back to the path that I was originally supposed to be on. And the Spirit of God fell on me in that car. He said, I work the same way. No matter how many wrong turns you take in life, if you will let me direct your path, I will get you back to the path you were always meant to be on. So if you're 14 or if you're 54, and if you've strayed way away from what God has for you, guess what? He has more than a 100-year plan for your life. Amen. Did you hear me? He ha- I- I'm going to change that. He has more than a 120-year plan for your life. Amen. That's... That's the, the oldest that a human being can live on planet Earth. He has more than a 120-year plan for your life. Okay, So let him bring you back. But, but see, now notice how all this is related to him being able to direct your path. He can't direct the path of someone who doesn't acknowledge him in, their, in the ways that they go. He can't direct the path of someone who leans to their own understanding. He cannot direct the path of someone who does not trust in him with all their heart. Because he's going to tell you to take some turns in life. He's going to tell you to write some checks in life. He's going to tell you to make some phone calls in life. He's going to tell you to quit one job in life and move to another one. He's going to, he's going to give you some instructions. The director, right, is, is going to snap that little board and say action. And he's going to tell you to do some things and instruct you to give some things and instruct you to take some classes and instruct you to, and, and again, that you're going, oh, no, that's not me. I could never do that. I could never learn that. I could never go to that school. I could never become one of those. I could, see, right, this is, this is how the enemy tries to work. Notice, every time you say you can't do something that God says you can, whose understanding are you leaning on? 
You see, you're leaning to your own understanding. My friend, you are capable of so much more. I am capable of so much more. Remember, amen, the potential that he put in us. It's otherworldly. He put greatness in every human being he ever created. He put greatness in all of us. Amen. When the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, Jesus didn't uh, rebuke them for desiring to be great. He told them how to be great. He intends for you to be great. But you've got to let him be the director. Amen. If he's the director, there will always be a happy ending. If you'll let him be the director, the hero will always win. Are you hearing me? Praise God. Amen. So for the record, I just, I got to say, I got to say this, okay? We are not starting yet another sermon series, okay? But, amen. Let me try to wrap this up. When it comes to your life, who's calling the shots? Okay? Consider this verse. I'm going to read it to you one more time, then I'm going to go on the heels of it to Proverbs, I'm sorry, to Jeremiah. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23. Um, Jeremiah 10 and 23. I'm going to give you a minute to turn there because I want you to see this. If you mark verses in your Bible and you haven't got this one marked, you probably need to mark it, okay? So listen to this one, then I'm going to read Jeremiah. I'll put it on the screen as well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Because, Jeremiah 10, 23, O Lord... I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. See, the sooner we come to the conclusion that we are not qualified to direct our own lives. Remember, I've been telling you now for a few weeks, you were created by God to be dependent upon him. You were created to live on a level that you can't get to on your own. And we know it. We know that we were created for more. So how do we get to that next level? You've got to let him direct your pathway to that next level. And again, you'll never get there by refusing to acknowledge him, by leaning to your own understanding, and by not trusting in the Lord with all of your heart. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Because the way is not in you, you are going to have to get it from an outside source. This is what I mean when I say, or when the Holy Spirit says to us, that we were created by God, designed by God to trust Him. And because we were created by God, designed by God with a need to trust, this makes us vulnerable to the devil who is, um, cause, but remember, we're not ignorant of his devices, but the, the devil's strategies against us are to try to get us to use our need to trust um, by investing that trust in things that are not worthy of it. Okay. So because the way is not in you, you're going to have to get the way from an outside source. So this is why when we face uh, some problem or challenge in life, we start looking around us for answers. We go to Google. We start trying to find out about it and, and what other people have experienced in a similar situation. 
This is true with legal things. This is true with financial things. This is true with health-related things. This, in other words, it's any pathway of life, right, um, there's an internet search for it. Are you hearing me this morning? Any pathway of life, your emotional well-being, there's a pathway for it. More than likely, you know, um, there is some um, medicine or pill or self-help DVD series or, you know, in other words, there's a lot of people out there peddling the answers. And I, again, I'm not, I know, forgive me, Father, for you forget. I'm not trying to just speak down to that and, 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 and negatively um, towards that. I'm, I'm, I'm first and foremost trying to help you I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to help all of us see that, you know, we got a problem we don't have an answer for, and so we start looking. But it's not just that we've got a problem we don't have an answer for. We don't have an answer for anything. And any answer we think we've got, it didn't originate from us. It didn't originate with us. There's a lot of things that we know and that we understand and that we live by, good, bad, or indifferent. But, you know, these ways were grafted into us they were formed within us over the course of our um, lifetime now let me give you another verse Isaiah 42 and 16 this is God speaking he said I'll bring the blind by a way they did not know I will lead them in paths they have not known I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight these things I will do for them and not forsake them. I get my first and seconds uh, Corinthians sometimes uh, confused with one another. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 10, 13. God says that he will not sit back with hands folded while you're tested, tempted, and tried by the enemy above what you're able to bear, but will with every situation that tests, tempts, and tries you, make a way of escape for you. Okay? Are you hearing me? Now, I want you to see the root of that verse here in Isaiah 42. I'll bring the blind by a way they did not know. He's not just talking about someone who's physically blind here. He's talking about someone who's clueless. He's talking about someone who doesn't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. They don't they don't have an answer. Um, they've stared at a computer screen um, and, and fi- try to find the answer. They've talked on the phone till their ears sore trying to find an answer, and they still don't have an answer. So what is God saying? He's saying, I've got an answer for you, but it's an answer that you don't know. And I'm going to lead you where? In paths that you have not known. You see, God's got a way out for you, but it's a way you've never been before. Listen to what I'm saying. He's got a way out for you, but it's a way you've never traveled before. We keep going back down the same path. We keep trying the same old answers, and we're just going to try harder. Remember what the word of the Lord was to us several weeks ago. Quit trying harder and try different. We keep going down the path that we, we, we know and we keep trying it again and we keep trying it again and we keep trying it again. He's saying, I've got a way to prosperity for you. I've got an answer for you. But it's a path that you've never walked on before. It's a way that you've never tried before, right? 
What's it going to take to go down a path you've never known before? Trust. Trust. So we go, oh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Here's, here's the word, right? I will lead them in paths they have not known. You see now why he can only take you as far as your trust in him will allow. Because the way to your wealthy place, the way to your prosperous life, the way to your best life, it's a path you've never traveled before. You've never been that way before. Are you hearing me? You've never done it like that before. You've never handled it that way before. You've never said it that way before, right? And, and any time we get to something that we haven't done before, that we're not familiar with, again, if we're not careful, our anxiety level starts to rise because most of God's people have put their trust in something called playing it safe. We play it safe and we call it wisdom and we spiritualize our dysfunction and we keep going around the same mountains of failure over and over and over again whining and complaining to God because He won't ever help us when we're not acknowledging Him in our ways and trusting Him to lead us out of the mess down a path that we've never traveled before. You'll never go down a path You have not known if you never learned to trust God. You'll instead keep following the paths of majority rule and least resistance. Jesus told us something about that majority-driven pathway, didn't he? He said it's a wide highway and there are a lot of people on it and it leads to death. But he said there's a straight and narrow, right? It's straight now. Come on now. Ain't nothing crooked about God. Amen. As Bill Winston says, he can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick, but there ain't nothing crooked about him, right? You ever heard him say that, man? I don't know where that came from. Just listen to my brother. Amen. He's engrafted into me. Amen. Sometimes I, I, I like the Lord gives me something to say, and I'm, I think, how would, he, how would Bill Winston say it? You know what I'm saying? I know you're with me. I'm not sure anybody else is in here, praise God. They're like, would you just end this and you and Matt go to lunch or something? No, I'm just kidding. Amen. I'm, I know. I'm, amen. I know you're thinking. Amen. Praise God. I know you're thinking. All right. And I'm trying to find a place to land this plane. Jesus said that the path that leads to, to your best life is a very straight and very narrow path, and few they be that find it. You know why few they be that find it? Because you ain't ever going to find it without the Lord. You ain't ever going to find it without the Lord. You see, there's a way that seems right, but it leads to death and destruction. And the way that seems right, let me just put it on the screen here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There is a way that seems right, but it leads to death and destruction. The way seems right, because it feels safe. Why does, a, why, is, why does a path that leads to destruction seem right to us? It seems right to us. Again, I believe this is the word of the Lord for us. He said it seems right to you because it feels safe to you. You'll never find and follow the path God has for your best life by playing it safe. Remember what I told you last week. The dilemma of trust is the surrender of control. Surrendering control seems scary, so we tend to avoid it 
and choose to play it safe instead. We find security in the familiar because familiar gives us a sense of control. What's the dilemma of trust? The dilemma of trust is surrendering control. You can't, you can't trust God and, and remain the director of your own path. We want to control it. It seems scary. So we play it safe. And, and we play it safe, but we call it wisdom instead of fear. We call it wisdom instead of pride. We call it wisdom instead of fail, failing to take the time to acknowledge God in all of our ways. We call it, we call it wisdom and playing it safe in, instead of doing what? Uh, you know, not leaning on our own understanding, but leaning on our own understanding. The Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt. Anybody familiar with that part of the story? Not because Egypt was better. Not because Egypt was better. God brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He brought them out of being beaten because they didn't make quotas. He brought them out of being someone else's property. He brought them out of eating the scraps thrown out the back door of the butcher shop. And then, on the path to their best life, they beg Moses to carry him back. When Moses won't carry him back, they threaten to kill Moses and establish another leader to carry him back. And they glamorized. They didn't just want to go back. They glamorized. They said, oh, remember how great we had it sitting around the flesh pots. You know what flesh pots are? It was when they would scrape up, again, the, the, the innards of animals, the innards of the animals that nobody else would eat. And that was what they had to live on. Never underestimate, please hear me, never underestimate your desire to be in control because this is why they wanted to go back. They would rather, go. they preferred knowing what to expect. Are you following me? They preferred knowing what to expect over trusting God who wanted to lead them into the great unknown of their promised land and best life. Stand with me. I'm out of time. I was a few minutes ago. They wanted to go back, not because it was better, but because it was familiar. We find security in the familiar because familiar gives us a sense of control. Are you seeing, are you connecting these things together? Playing it safe, calling it wisdom, not trusting God, but spiritualizing our dysfunction of not trusting Him because, you know, we're, we're being wise stewards. No, we're being, we're being chicken. We're being selfish. Call it what it is. We're too, we're too afraid to pay our tithes. We find security in the familiar because familiar gives us a sense of control. Key word there is a sense of control. So God's carrying them into this promised land, this land that flows with milk and honey. I mean, there wasn't any of them there that, that you know, were not at least interested in a land flowing with milk and honey. But when the pressure was applied, they would rather go back 
to slavery in Egypt because they knew that. They knew what to expect there. They, they, that familiarity gave them this sense of control. Why do you think women stay in abusive relationships? Getting knocked around and beat around by some sorry old man instead of leaving? See, never underestimate. I, I have seen men who spent many, many years in prison. They come out of prison, they want to go back to prison. Just send me back, Pastor Mark. Why? You don't even fill out a job application the same way anymore, Pastor Mark. You have to do it on a computer now. I don't know anything about a computer. See, again, all of this is unfamiliar. This world outside. A friend of mine, he, he spent a long, long time in prison. He's a a great testimony and miracle of God that he got out of prison. Um, he's, he's been out now three or four years. Pam and I, with him and his wife, we're eating at Jim and Nick's. He's a man's man. Are you hearing me? This guy's a man's man. Confident, bold, powerful minister for God. They handed him a menu and I watched him become a child in front of my eyes. I watched almost panic come across his face. Guess what? He's, they asked him what he wanted. He says, uh, you go first, Pastor Mark. I ordered. Guess what he said? He didn't wait for anybody else. Guess what he said after I ordered? I'll have what he's having. In private, I didn't want to embarrass him in front of his wife. In private later, I was like, man, what was up with that? He said, for 30, I think it was 38 years, he said, for 38 years, he said, I was not only told when I was going to eat, I was told what I was going to eat. I never had to make those decisions. He said, now they hand me a menu with all this stuff on there. I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell them. See, <laughs> see, one of the reasons we don't want to go to that next level, even though everything in us knows that there's something better that God has for us, is we've gotten, we've gotten real accustomed to the way things are where we are, even if they're not good. At least we know what to expect. At least we know that if he comes in drunk on Friday to, you know, steer clear. Proverbs 4.18, come on now, somebody take this with you. Here's your go box, put this in the to-go to box, okay? I've probably fed you more than you can handle this morning, so just take this one to go. But the path of the just is like the shining sun. It shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. What does this mean? Among other things, every path of your life, the best is yet to come. If Father is directing your path. Your best days in marriage, your best days as a parent, your best days as a family, your best days... Uh, in your physical health, your mental, emotional health, your best days financially. Are you hearing me? His path doesn't, doesn't get dimmer and slower and weaker and, 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 and tucker out the further you travel down it. It doesn't get older and less interesting and more boring and drudgery. My friend, that's the world system there. It, it starts out maybe really, really alluring and really, really exciting, and then the longer you travel down that world's path, the harder it gets, the, the, more and let, the, the duller it becomes, the bo more boring it becomes, the less interesting it becomes. My friend, not our, not our Father. You get anything out of this this morning? 
Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your willingness and your patience with us when it comes to directing our paths. Father, our lives are choice-driven. Forgive us for making choices without consulting you. Father, you have a destiny for every person under the sound of my voice right now. A destiny that only you know, and, and, and it's, it's more than we could ask, think, or imagine. It's, it's more than eye has seen, ear has heard, or that has entered into the heart or imagination of a human being, what you have prepared for those who love you. Father, we, we can't get to that place apart from trusting in you. We will never get there unless you direct our path. And we'll never trust you enough. Uh, we'll, we'll, unless we learn to trust you, we'll never follow you on that path. Lord, it's, it's going to take trust. Father, my prayer is that just as you're speaking to me about these things, Lord, that you're speaking to, again, those that are engaged into this as well. Father, that, that you're showing us things that we put our trust in that we should have never trusted things that, that we are relying and dependent upon, that we should not be reliant and dependent upon, even people. I'm not saying we shouldn't trust people, Father, but, but the enemy loves to lure us into putting our trust in people that, that, that are not worthy uh, of, of our trust. Reveal those things to us, Father, and teach us to trust you. Teach us to trust your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Remember, water baptism next Sunday. If you'd like to be baptized in water, let me know, and then all the candidates uh, meet me in the fellowship hall 1015 next Sunday morning. You be blessed.